USB microphones and headphones provided by CAD Audio. CAD Audio, expression through innovation. Forgive the interruption, but I believe this requires your attention. Meanwhile, at the above-ground underwater suborbital volcano lair... Sergeant, we need a response team. We're already putting together the best man. With all due respect, sir, so am I. I have a plan. (laughs) It's real! Mighty Marvel Geeks. That's what we call ourselves. Sort of like a team. Team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. We're, We're a time bomb. Well then, son, you've got a condition. Your show about all things Marvel with Mike, Kylan, and Eric. What a bunch of losers. I am Groot. That I did know. These people may be isolated, unbalanced even, but I believe with the right push, they can be exactly what we need. Suit up. I'm bringing the party to you. I have indeed been uploaded, sir. We're online and ready. And welcome to another episode, excuse me, another issue, because we have issues here. We have issues. We have lots of issues. Of mighty Marvel geeks. How is everyone doing? It is the Intrepid Trio, Kylan, Eric, and Mike. And Mike, you should be doing really good because you got to go do something today. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. Uh, The IT techs here. Okay. Uh, the Wi-Fi password is Shambhala. We're not savages here. <laughs> oh, wait, sorry. Okay, yeah. I'm just saw... going to tell you. What? When, when, when Mordo hands him the password and it's Shambhala, that should have immediately popped up and done it, like, say, during some kind of montage sequence. Yes. He, at that, well, with what happens earlier, I would have thought he would have gone over to the phone and dialed it up. <laughs> I just, I just uh, that, you know, it's like, it's a wife episode. We're not savages. It's just like, that is probably one of the the classic quotes of that movie. We are, of course, talking about Doctor Strange. Oh yeah. yes, which I finally got to got to see. And, finally uh, got to see. Circle is complete. And now we know. And now the uh, the shackles are off. And so, in case you haven't guessed it already, dear listener, we are going to be spoiling the crap out of Doctor Strange tonight. Yes, yep. we are. Yep. 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 Well, if you uh, haven't seen it, so so Coulson better warn everybody. Oh, Coulson, where are you? I don't think I. Oh, spoiler alert! There he is. Popped there in just for is. a second. We say Coulson, and he shop stops in. I've been authorized by Director Fury to use any means necessary to keep you on premises. If you attempt to leave right. or play any games, I will tase you and watch Super Nanny while you drool into the carpet. But shouldn't that be Director Mace now? That's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But that's okay. Yeah. We're Fury faithful. Yeah. We are. We are. Yeah. So, uh, so yeah, it's... Um, 
I, I enjoyed the beginning of it, you know, where we see the cockiness of Doctor Strange. Yeah. And uh, especially in the operating room. With, yes. With uh, with the challenge. Yes, where they're, where they're playing musical trivia and trying to stump the genius. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, you're you're doing brain surgery while you know, on a live person, something that would take the full attention and then some of most mortal men and women. But this guy's over here multitasking. Yes. Yeah. And grooving while he's doing it. <laughs> well, I mean, Sergio Mendez. No, it wasn't uh, Sergio Mendez. It was uh, uh, Paul Man- uh, Chuck Mangione. Chuck Mangione, yes. Why am I thinking Sergio Mendez? I don't know. But that that yeah. was a, yeah, that was another song, but that was in the 80s. Yeah. But, you know, uh, the thing is, it's like, it, it, I think it's going to be awesome because uh, Chuck Mangione is going to probably enjoy, Feel So Good is going to suddenly have an uptick in popularity that it has not seen since. Chuck Mangione figured so prominently in King of the Hill. So, yeah. well, this this is going to be what Blue Swedes Swades hooked on a feeling was for Guardians of the Galaxy. Yes, which the trailer was at one of the previews for when I saw Doctor Strange today. Yes, it was that and Logan. Yep, we had that. We had that and Logan too. Okay, I did not have Logan when I saw it, but I did see Guardians too. And okay, I'm sorry, it's cuteness overload where you see Baby Groot looking out from behind Rocket's head. Yes. Yeah. In in the in the tiny version of Star-Lord's coat. Yes. Yes. Yes, it's almost like somebody got a Star-Lord action figure and, and gave it to Baby Groot saying, here, put this on. <laughs> I am Groot! <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Drax the Destroyer, who was pretty much almost as much of a broken record during the first movie as, as Groot was, and now he's going to like, do you need a hug? No, 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 I'm fine. <laughs> Drax no. the Destroyer. I thought I thought I said I didn't need a hug. <laughs> like, uh, you, that's well, go, you, that's gonna become a soundbite. Apparently, you don't say no to Drax. Like, if he if he wants to hug you, he's gonna hug you. So you just kinda... Drax the Destroyer has become a hug monster, and <laughs> yeah, I'm perfectly okay. With that. <laughs> I'll just. Oh my gosh! <laughs> All twelve minutes and twenty-seven <laughs> seconds of it. <laughs> like, okay, oh, okay. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Stop just rage for a minute. Okay, can we just also go ahead and say that the first part of this movie is also a PSA on the dangers of distracted driving? Hey, did you get the joke at the end? All right, like, okay, did you stay? Did you stay for everything at the very oh, end? Yeah. Like the yes, you I, I, notice that. As soon, as soon as the credits yeah. started, people started walking out, and there was like two or three of us going, uh, there's still more. Oh, no, no, we don't watch the credits. You're going to miss stuff. <laughs> and, and then we get the one credit, in credit scene. And then I have to, it's like, there's still more. <laughs> people were looking at, uh, looking at me. Oh, you're crazy. There's still more. <laughs> you can tell the people who have never watched a Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Before. No, no, no. Yeah. Those are the ones that are leaving with the credits start rolling and the people that leave after the first uh, credit scene. Yep. Well, you, you notice that at the end of all the credits, they they list all the warnings and stuff, and there's a warning yeah. about distracted driving, yes. which figures into the joke in the movie where he says they put the warning in after the spell. the spells. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I, admit, I did not catch that. I did not make that connection. Well, see, they I put, didn't either. My wife, my, we're watching it, and then my wife just starts like, Laughing, and I'm like, "What's so funny?" And she goes, "They put the war 
morning after, <laughs> and I'm like, <laughs> and I, that was hilarious. And I, we don't know if they intended that, but if, even still, hilarious. I, I'm sure somebody, because uh, I can't believe that nobody in the whole production crew thought about that. All these hundreds of people that were working on it, not one single person says, hey, this would be funny if we did that. But at the same time, I don't know that there was an intentional play on that. I say I don't know either, but if so, genius. And if not, if not that just makes it funny. Yeah, it's it's like a Bob Ross kind of thing. It's just a happy accident, you know. <laughs> no, there was nothing happy about trees. that accident that was accident that was happy. Happy trees. That accident, really? Oh, okay. Like, how many have either of you seen the animated Doctor Strange movie? I have not. I have not. I think I have. It's on, it's on my Netflix list, or at least it was at one time. Yeah, uh, and and I will tell you, I've never felt an accident so intense, like so intense. Intensely as I did that, like I don't know, it's, I don't know if it was the if they boosted the sound, but it was just like you could hear the metal crushing, you could hear the glass breaking. You could just that hear a, and almost feel everything. What they, they didn't increase it. They just it was very well designed, and that is an, an amazing sound designer who who came up with that, knowing that that ne- all needed to be highlighted. It just but wow. I, no, but I have no clue what I'm talking about. <laughs> you know, we really should get an audio engineer in here I so th- that I, we have somebody that knows what they're talking about. Seriously, you know, preferably one with like over a decade and a half of experience. You know, maybe somebody who works yeah. for like a major company, you know. Yeah. Yeah. A theme, you know who would be great? Somebody who works at a theme park. Right. You know, that's right. You know, they have a practical experience, that practical day-to-day experience. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, Mike, see I if might you know- can get that person to the show. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I I might know that guy. You think? See if you can get him on the show, please. All right. I'll I'll see what I can do. Wait, wait, wait. Hi. Y'all are looking for an audio engineer? Yeah. Do you happen to know one? I sure do. Sweet Christmas. Okay. All right. For those of you who do not understand the why we're laughing so hard at this is because, well, that's what Mike is. He does for a living. Yeah. He does. Oh. He, he's a re, he's a reason why we we sound as uh, professional as we do. You know, he he's on top of all that. So it's Mike's world. We just live in it. Yeah, pretty much. It. <laughs> so all right. So so back the car to, accident. Oh man, the car accident. We needed a very traumatic experience to yes. set up the rest of the movie and we got that i mean it had to be something that just it leaves no doubt in your mind that the guy's career is crushed i'm just i mean like you know you see his hands on the steering wheel and you see the the dashboard crumble board just rush yeah. and it's almost like it reaches out and grabs his hands and crushes them for it and i know that's to not me what it looked, happened, but almost to me it looked way. like the dashboard um just enveloped his hand, yes. mold it, molded yes. to his hand, to the one hand that we well, see. You, you had, like I said, you had to have it as traumatic as possible to make sure that you understand there is no future for him no. as a surgeon. The no. very, the very 
thing that made him successful is gone because you have to strip everything he holds dear away from him. Yes. You have and- to bring him down to the absolute lowest level. And unless that car accident is the most traumatic, the most visceral, the, the most debilitating that you could think of, you almost have to go too far to get there. Yeah. You do. And I think that accident sequence does it perfectly. It, it, I, I agree. It's, it's, it's one of those that um, I, I just any less and you, you won't get you, any, any, if, that, if that if that accident was any less vivid or yes. well I won't say vivid I don't know I don't know what the audio visual uh, the audio version of vivid is but if it was any less that you you get you completely miss how far he had to fall for his journey mm-hmm. to begin yeah you know because I mean his hands were his livelihood and the guy was cocky as all get out yeah I mean and I mean and at this point we know that he is at the top of his game because otherwise why would he be on shield's watch list okay and that's free and that's free power let's let's revisit what is essentially a throwaway line mm-hmm. right there before the accident right this is this is something that we brought up in an earlier show and yeah. looking back of it i was thinking you know we probably sound like a bunch of blithering idiots talking about that but when the, he's talking on the phone to the guy and he says like the guy who got his you know, vertebrae crushed mm-hmm. he is talking about roadie he's got to be talking about roadie you think so and so i think so i think so well and- see, here's the thing it, here's the thing now according according to writers mm-hmm. the movie starts somewhere around january of this year yeah beginning of the year so it was the beginning of the year civil war didn't happen until what april may because technically uh, supposedly the cine- the cinematic movies happen pretty somewhere fairly close to within in their timeline. Okay. Yeah, but I fairly I, close. I fairly thought close. I thought Civil War though took place in 2015, shortly after the Scovia Accord, or <gasps> shortly after um, what yeah. happened at Scovia. That this incident that happened that was like maybe six six to eight months after. Mm. Yeah. See, here's the thing: you can't you can't put it precisely on a calendar. No, you can't. Okay. okay. All right. I see where you're at now. Yeah. Timeline. You really have to do ballpark. Yeah. So we. I think we can pretty well say that that is Rhodey. Yeah. Which means yeah. that this, that Doctor Strange starts out right around the point where Civil War ended. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there is the question of how did he learn to become, how did he get to be proficient in such a short amount of time? Well, his he, memory. Okay. I think we found the answer in another throwaway line. Okay. Well, maybe, maybe a little bit more than a throwaway line where you see him bringing in a stack of books to the library yeah. mm-hmm. and people are and the they're asking it's like you know how did you go through all these these are advanced he said a photographic memory that's how i got my md and my phd at the same time mm-hmm. we're not talking about a time dilation we're not talking about uh some kind of magical infusion we're talking about just somebody who's a fast learner yes yeah and let's also not forget he's not sorcerer supreme at the end of this movie no he's not no he is a master of the mystic arts yes but I, so I don't no. think this I don't think and we were talking about this is that an unrealistic time frame no. given that no I don't think so I mean if the if the guy is able if the guy is smart enough and he has a photographic memory and he's he was able to handle the coursework for a PhD and an MD at the same time 
And he's off in the middle of nowhere. And I mean, what else is he going to do? What else is he going to do? I, 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 looking, you know, after kind of sitting there and kind of thinking about it, it's doable. It, to me, it's, it's logical. Especially if, if you really, if you completely unplugged yourself from, uh, from all the distractions that life had to offer, and you were able to immerse yourself into whatever pursuit you wanted, to want, whatever pursuit you were into at that time, you gave yourself, you gave yourself a Eleven months. Right. How good would you be at that thing after the hour, after hours and hours and days and days and weeks and so on of that same thing? And that's all that you had time to dedicate it to was that one thing without any distraction. How good would you be? Right. I mean, it's this is almost like a crash course, like you're cramming for finals. Yes. Yes. So now, what? Yeah. What rank did they say they were want, potentially wanting him for to work on? Sorcerer Supreme. No. 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 Before the car accident. He said, oh, oh that's uh, beneath me. Oh, I can't remember. I, can't, I, I don't remember the rank. Oh, they wanted them to be over the uh, ER. Yes. Yes, or they, wanted yeah, they, to be in the yeah. ER. He did, he did not want to be he did not want to be an ER doctor because yes, that was beneath him. Uh, there's no glory in it, no no international right. fame in it. Right. No. Uh, what I was referring to was when he got the phone call saying they wanted him to work on the the military officer. What what rank oh. what rank was he at? I don't remember them saying an officer. I heard Air Force. I thought they I thought they gave him a rank as well. I they thought they have. said I thought they said it was a. Colonel? Then that could be that could be War Machine. Yeah, because he's a lieutenant colonel, right? With the Air Force. But I thought they I thought they said a different branch. Well, see, there was that there was one, and then there was the officer who was struck by lightning. Okay, but they were talking about the one with the experimental armor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So they they very well could be referring to War Machine. Mm-hmm. If not, I, mean, I don't know what other experimental armor there is out there. Uh, exactly. Well, if the, if they're referring to anybody that we have seen in the Marvel Cinematic Universe and you gotta figure they are the reference has to be an easter egg yeah because otherwise they wouldn't be that specific right Right. despite the fact they're denying that it, it was just a throwaway line referring to no one well it could be not referring to anybody I don't buy it I don't either. I don't either. I mean, it's just, it, it's too coincidental. Yeah, yeah. I mean, unless somebody's trying to make us believe that, you know, experimental suits of armor used by the military are pretty much an everyday occurrence. Uh, sure, yeah, okay. Yeah, why not? Now, I don't I don't see it. So now, the whole time he's in the hospital room, mm-hmm. I, I will say I got a little squeamish. Because <laughs> that type of thing just, I, I, yeah. just took it just a little bit for me. Well, again, that goes back to what I was saying about the accident itself. It has to be graphic. It has to be intense. I mean, you have to believe he's not just wussing out. He He is in as bad a shape as he says he is. Right. I mean, it was... You know, it, it was one of those things like you had to, they, they had to give you, they, they had to take air, take away all hope of any other type of recovery for the, for, for the people out there watching this movie. You know, they, they, you had to understand that when Stephen Strange was willing to go against his closely held beliefs of if it's not science, then he has no use for it. You have to make him desperate. You, you, yeah. This had to did. be a desperate man. 
So when uh, what's his what's his name Benjamin Bratt's character? Yeah. Uh, when you see it, when you hear the therapist talk about him and he hunts him down, and here look at me, I was paralyzed from the chest down. Now I'm playing basketball with my homies. Right. That's the torch, and that you have to have him desperate, and you have to show all that stuff, even if if it if you makes you squeamish, if it makes you cringe, if it makes you look away because you can't bear to see the bajillion pins stuck into his flesh. Yeah. And and see his hands shaking and you have to see him basically push away the his only friend and and former lover that sort of thing. Yes. And you watch every time you every time you pan back to his high-rise apartment there's a little less there yeah. you know he, you can tell he's selling off stuff yeah he, he's hawking stuff yeah he's hawking stuff you know he's still kind of holding on to that lifestyle in some way but he's like losing that, all his stuff in the process like that baby grand there right next to the window yes yeah mm. he ain't gonna play the piano no more that's for sure no no well, he he could, but he'd be a little shaky. Yeah, well. <laughs> God. He could play Flight of the Bumblebee. Nobody had noticed. No, no. <laughs> Um, but another thing that I thought was very, very well done, Baron Mordo. Yes. yes. And, and I, I'm not going to say it now because uh, last week Eric and I were talking about this. When when he – in that final scene, that, that, that final Easter egg scene where he goes in and he takes away dude's magic. And, okay, we, and, need to, but, we need to set that up though. We do. We do. We do need to set that up. Uh, Benjamin Spratt, you know what? Let me pull up IMDb because I want to get the guys – the character. Character's name. Yeah. Character. Uh, what from that final end credit scene? Yeah. Uh, what's a what, Jonathan Pangborn? Pang. Okay. Pangborn. Okay. Yeah. All right. Pangborn. The reason that he's walking around that he has beat this paralysis is because he went and he studied under the ancient one. Yeah. And he learned to channel the magic to basically to give him mobility. Yeah. To his body is powered by magic. Mm-hmm. His mobility is powered by magic. He channels it inward. Mm-hmm. Right. So he is not uh, he's not casting spells. He's just channeling it to get around and play basketball with his homies. Right. So that is that just makes it even more <sighs> I don't want to say terrifying, more evil. Yeah. When you see Baron Mordo, and he says (coughs) he has done bad things in his life before meeting the ancient one. Mm -hmm. Okay. He is basically trying to find redemption of his own, his own redemption. Right. Studying there trying to be at peace with the laws of nature, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. But he is very inflexible. Yes. Very inflexible. And when he goes off the reservation, when he just basically says, it says, I will walk this path no longer. Mm-hmm. Because in his in his mind, the Ancient One has betrayed everything that she, everything she taught him was a lie. Right. And we could talk about Ancient One here in a minute as a completely different subject. But this is a man who thought he had redemption and had that redemption taken away from him. Right. Yes. The realization that it was a false redemption. And so hey, now hey, you see it in his eyes when once he gets that, once he the realization comes to him, you you see it and, and you just like, you know, bad things are about to happen. And the thing is, he's not evil. No, he's just he's so bitterly disillusioned. He thinks he's doing the right thing. Right. right. So and this is for those of you who walked out before the final 
end credit scene. Shame this is on what you. you missed. Shame on you. This is what you missed. He shows up at Pangboard's place and basically sucks the magic out of him and reduces him to a quadriplegic. Again, yeah. this is a there is no mercy, there is no compassion, there is no he's doing no harm to the universe. Mm-mm. So I'm going to leave him alone. I will let him be. Nope. He is a sorcerer. I must eliminate him. And because there's too many sorcerers in the world. He's on a purge. He is. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you, everyone was criticizing and I, I'm reserving I reserved this judgment until I saw the movie. Everyone was criticizing, oh, the ancient one. She's it's a female and she's not oriental. Okay, well, um the fight scene between Mordo and Mon Cecilius. No. Uh Savage or Strange and Mordo. Yeah. Um he, he I guess it's an another throwaway line if you didn't catch it. She's a Celtic woman. Yep. Yes. She's a druid. So she's from uh you know, the UK region and moved and went west. Mm-hmm. Or, or went east, like east for for more enlightenment. Well, who knows? She might have gone Turn the, the map other way. Over, dude. She might have gone the other way. <laughs> 700 years old, though. Yeah. I I still, personally, I still think they should have gone Asian. Mm-hmm. I really do. I mean, it didn't bother me that the ancient one was a woman. No, no. And to her credit, Tilda Swinton did a good job. Mm-hmm. The character still should have been. Yeah. But they gave, they gave a good throwaway reason as why it didn't. Mm-hmm. It was the throwaway reason anyway. Uh, and I guess as far as that goes, that's probably about the best reason they could use right. in movie. Mm-hmm. And also, I guess, well, considering they kill her off, and y'all knew it was coming. It's the Obi-Wan syndrome. Mm-hmm. The mentor has to die so the student can achieve their full potential. Yep. And the ancient one in the comics... <laughs> Had yep. had died, but was around in spirit form. And in the Guardians of the Galaxy timeline, Doctor Strange had become the ancient. That's right. Yeah. yeah. So it, I guess there's precedent for non-Asians to be the ancient one. Right. So if you want to look at it that way, go for it. But all things considered, I don't think she did a bad job of it. No, no. No. Now, there's also, while we're on the subject of the ancient one, there's her dark secret. Mm-hmm. The reason she's 700 years old is that she's channeling power from the dark dimension. Yep. Yeah. Now, this is how she knows that that ritual, getting power from Dormammu, is a bad idea because she's done it. Mm-hmm. And she keeps doing it. And she says she hates, she hated that she did it. Mm-hmm. But, again, that's that was what really shattered Mordo. Right. Yeah. I mean, is that realization that here she was saying, you shouldn't meddle, you shouldn't meddle, you shouldn't meddle. Oh, look at me. The reason that I'm older than Methuselah is because I meddled. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, the thing is, you know, it's not, it's not, and it's not, this is not a justification of the Ancient One's actions. It's not. But, you know, the thing is, our, our, our teachers, our mentors, our elders, parents, whoever, they fail. They, they fail us. And they're guaranteed to fail us because they're human. And 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 you no, know, we we take that and we grow from it, you know. Um, or you use it as a reason to justify your poor behavior. You 
know, but I I just I think that for some I, and that maybe is because Stephen fell so far and was on his way back. That's why he was able to see why Ancient One made the mistakes that she made. Um, but it's still it's it's unfair. It's unfair that Mordo holds her to such a high standard. But it makes sense because people like that 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 type of personality you hold your leaders in such high regard that right. they almost become like on the level of a spiritual leader for your your hero is flawed yeah and and, and some people can't handle that like if, if their hero shows that they're human in any way possible then screw it I'm out and I'm like no you know it just if, if your hero is human it just means that your hero is human <laughs> it's okay right you know no we're 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 all going to make mistakes and I prefer that my that if a leader is going to make that if anybody in my life is going to make a mistake let it be my leader because at least that way I know that I'm not the only one who screws up <laughs> you know I don't know I just can't get the, I, the concept of holding someone in such high regard that the idea of them showing some type of human failing is the thing that does me in again you know? though again though that's that's the that's Mordo's flaw yes he's not flexible in his thinking you know and he's so and really in that sense he's lawful good and technically lawful evil okay you know in in if, that if sense. you want to pull the Dungeons and Dragons analogies out yes you know it just, I mean that's that, that that's how it is for him I mean whereas you know you, you got to see a bit of the the ancient ones willingness to maybe dabble into the chaotic side of good but of that's not you know that's this, not something he would ever do that could have just been her in her youth exactly yeah. you know you know but see he's he's already written her off he doesn't want to know the rest of the story you know i don't agree with that but you it really looks like that that's what that's all about right so um so we we end with um, Strange becoming the new master well, of, of the inner sanctum of New York. Yes, the guardian of the sanctum, yeah. I think is what they call it. Yeah. And he has the Eye of Agamotto, which is, of course, the time stone, right. the infinity stones, which I thought was a nice tie-in. And mm-hmm. Wong, who I love Wong. I love Wong. I love Wong. The the total the, the total thing about uh, Beyonce and do you ever laugh kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that and just there at the end where he just starts laughing. At yeah. the, they put the warnings at the end. It, yeah, it, I, like, I like this version of Wong. He's not a servant. He's definitely, well, I don't know that you'd even say he's an equal. He's definitely kind of like a superior kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. He's like, he's kind of like a, he's kind of like the, the interim mentor. Right. To the ancient one. Well, I, I liked too how um, Strange used the time loop against mm-hmm. Dormormu. And, yes. And he just goes, you know, and, and just breaks him down because he goes, you know, you, you're not going to win. He goes, yeah, I know. I'm going to lose over and over and over and over and over again. But to protect <laughs> Earth, I'm going to do it. And then finally right. he goes, would you please stop? He goes, I've come here to bargain <laughs> Even for that last time. Uh, and that's that is how Strange beats people. Yep. So often it's like yes, he can he can cast powerful spells. Yes, he is uh, he is a very powerful being in his own right. But a lot of the times he's going up against beings that are even infinitely more powerful than he is. So he has to outthink them. 
Right. He has to outsmart him. So, of course, that's exactly what he does here. Yes, he, he dies painfully, yeah. agonizingly. Many times. Repeatedly. But because he's got that loop, he keeps coming back. And it's not until Dormammu realizes that he's trapped in that loop, too. Mm-hmm. It's kind of like, okay, okay, have it your way. Just get me out of this. Yeah, yeah. Mm. When I saw that loop start, I'm like, first thing I thought of was <laughs> Galaxy Quest, the Omega 13. <laughs> <laughs> I was actually thinking Groundhog Day, but that works too. <laughs> so um, overall, I, the the end credit scenes, was yes. the first one with Thor, and, it, and we now know Loki's back on Earth, imprisoned. Right. Mm-hmm. When did this occur? Would it have been after wondering, th- Thor: The Dark World, or did the, or does this take place shortly after Age of Ultron? I'm thinking probably a- after Age of Ultron. I, I now this is coming from somebody that has not seen Dark World. I have the DVD; it's sitting on my shelf, waiting for me much. to open up the wrapping. Now I want to see it just just for sake of completionism, but it's just not one that I've been, had a burning desire to see. Okay. Hmm. So this could be this could be a setting up of Ragnarok. That's true. I th- it is. It it very much is. Um which I still will be curious to know how they're tying in Planet Hulk into this. Since he he's gonna be in his Planet Hulk armor. Um, right. but I loved how it starts off what is this? Tea? I don't drink tea. <laughs> okay. So and then it's beer. It's beer. He kills the beer, and then all of a sudden he <laughs> refills on its own. <laughs> I kinda like that. I wanna I want a, I want a Stein like that. That's all there is to it. So I, I, a Stein like that would be so nice. That's so and dangerous. Then, and then we talked about the the final uh end credit scene. So I'm gonna I'm gonna pose this question. Uh um, now, with all the Marvel movies that have been released that are considered MCU, how would you rank your top three? Oh, I knew you was going to go there. And, and while you're doing that, I will play you a little inspirational music, which, to hear this in a Marvel movie, oh yeah. A little interstellar overdrive by Pink Floyd, <laughs> if it'll play. Okay, y'all, I'm just going to tell you. Those were the first words out of his mouth when he called me after getting out of the theater. Any movie that has that Pink Floyd in it. You were, you, this is from the end credits. Yeah. You recognize it, Kyle? Was it? This is the end credits. Yeah, yeah but then when they played it, it was more like uh Yeah. Talking like this? Yes. Yeah, the song yeah. itself is 9 minutes, 41 seconds. <laughs> so we won't be hearing all of it. No, not here. <laughs> um, but to come off the first album, Piper at the Gates of Dawn, um, yeah, to see it, I, a, I don't know if it's a tribute to Floyd or a tribute to Sid Barrett. Either way, y- yeah. Now now the question begins again. Top top three picks. Oh, okay. Guardians is still my number one. Nothing nothing is shaking that yet. Uh, I still think that Captain America: The First Adventure is like my number two. <sighs> mm. 
My top three, it's it's a toss-up between Doctor Strange and the first Avengers. Okay. I I don't know. I don't know that this tops the first Avengers movie. I don't know that it doesn't either. Hmm. What about you, Colin? Because I've been thinking about this one because I knew this question was coming. Been thinking, I've been I've been thinking about this after ever since I I got I went to see Doctor Strange. Having said that, number one, Captain America: Winter Soldier. Number two would be Civil War. Okay. Number three, I I, I don't know, and and like this may change in a few months, but number three is going to be Doctor Strange for me. Uh, I'm still going Captain America: uh, First Avenger One. Um, Guardians 2, and because of Pink Floyd, Doctor Strange 3. And, and I also said to Eric, too, after the theater, I'm still not a fan of the character or the book, but this movie, I see it going places. Um, I, well, it's unlocked so much yeah, of it, the Marvel Cinematic Universe that we've not seen so far. Yeah. No, well, you know, the thing is, and and it kind of opens the door for something else also. Okay, so we so so we finally, we, we've gotten, we got, we, we jumped into the deep the deep part of the pool with the 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 cosmic no the the no, the mystical side of the marvel universe we have i think i know where you're going with this i think what we're going to get now and then i think this is part of this is may this may be an an, an unintentional but possible byproduct of the talks with uh, Fox is now we you know we, we may now start seeing forays into the cosmic side because if you think about it like Dormammu Dormammu is the big bad on the cosmic side I mean on the uh, mystical side of the Marvel Universe you know so you know if, if anybody is going to be coughing up blood just because you know some creature whispered its name it's going to be Dormammu who would be said Whisperer, right. no, because Dormammu's just that bad. So the thing is, uh, all right, comic fans like us, comic fans know how powerful Doom is. We we know that, and there's been rumors, sort of, sort of, kind of, possibly, maybe that somebody claims that they're seeing the interior of what could be considered Doom's castle um, in Guardians of the Galaxy. I don't know if that's true or not, but that's just strictly rumor, and that's how I'm treated right now. But having said that i think we're going to i think they want to show that that cosmic side which is the equivalent so that's the reason why we may they they're now that they've opened that door on the mystical side and they've seen the reception i think the people at marvel are a little bit more willing to make moves or do what's necessary so they can have access to galactus okay now let me that's why i think let me ask this question mm-hmm. has uh has this definitely upped the game and put more pressure on the Russo brothers for the next Avengers movie. I don't know that you could put more pressure on the Russo brothers. Uh, I mean, okay, this movie, we're talking what, 40 plus characters, right? Yeah. That, yeah, 40, that's what they're saying. So we're talking forty plus characters. We're talking, we're talking the Infinity Gauntlet, right? Just about, just about, yeah. So okay, so here's uh, here's what I'm thinking: Thanos, Infinity Gauntlet, and and that's no small thing. It's not, but I think we, I think they need to add something to kind of give you a little bit more. Fear or, or bring you a little bit more investment on that side of it besides making Thanos some super powerful alien. 
Right. And it, I, I, I think, I, I, man, I can't believe I'm saying this. I can't believe I'm about to say this, but why not? You know, and if I'm wrong, I'm wrong. I honestly would not be surprised if Galactus made some type of an appearance or had a, some type of presence in uh, Infinity War. I'm just saying, because I, I don't really see how we can't be talking about the Infinity Gauntlet without mentioning Galactus. I just don't see how. I Well, okay. Really, though? So, yes, he was involved, mm-hmm. but when push came to shove to show how just how powerful Thanos was mm-hmm. with the Infinity Gauntlet, right. Galactus was kind of a minor character. True. I mean, he he was there. He he had a role to play, mm-hmm. but so did the Celestials. Right. So did uh, Kronos, the god of time. Uh, so did you know so many uh, chaos and order it just but they were not the focus no the focus was the heroes the like your the captain let's see who who was it who all did we see we saw wolverine we saw spider-man mm-hmm. iron man captain america thor storm storm um namor she hulk doctor um. strange you saw, let's see, Star Fox. Yeah. Uh, you saw Drax. Yep. And you saw Hulk. They were part of the the quote unquote Earth team. Oh, Adam Warlock. How could I forget Adam Warlock? There you go. Uh, but I really don't think you can put more pressure on the Russo brothers because I think the pressure is already astronomical. Yeah. Okay. Then let me let me rephrase this question, and I mentioned this to Eric. Does this make the expectations higher for the next Avengers movie? Again, I don't think so because I think. The expectations are already sky high. Seriously, uh, I mean, I mean, we're we're we're, we're talking about a movie that's going to have at least uh, almost every at least it's going to have every known X uh, every known Avenger in the cinematic universe on that roster at one point or another. Um, it's going to, it's, it, but and here's the other side of it: they're going to need to show how insanely powerful this weapon is. Well, I think it's now going to be pulling in from, you know, the cosmic, the mystical, and the scientific, quote-unquote, mm-hmm. technology worlds of the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Right. Okay, well, think about this. If you want to talk about how powerful that weapon is, the Infinity Gauntlet, think of what we saw the Tesseract do. Yeah. Tesseract was powerful by mm-hmm. itself. The orb was powerful by itself. by itself. Right. Loki's mind, you know, his mind control scepter, the Mind Stone, it was powerful by itself. The Eye of Agamotto, you saw how powerful it was by itself. Mm. I don't think you're going to have any trouble mm. saying when you start thinking about all these that were very powerful by themselves. It's almost like, to use an analogy, it's like the Avengers themselves. You saw how powerful Captain America was in his movie, how powerful Thor was in his movie, how powerful uh, Iron Man was in his movies. Mm. Yeah. So now you put them together on a team and let them fight an entire army of aliens flying aliens with energy weapons yeah in new york same thing applies here only on a much grander scale this is a recipe for Armageddon. Easily. Yeah. Easily. It's, um, I, you know, it, it's, n- n- none of these people have dealt with anything like this at this point. Yeah. You know, um, I mean, really, when you think about it, I mean, having, I mean, to, having dealt with what weapon they're dealing with in um, the 
in Captain Marvel six or uh, Power, or is it? It may have been, or it may have been uh, Civil War number. I don't know if that's eleven or twelve this month, but you know, we may with that what we're what we're starting to see in this case are people who I did. I don't know. I I don't know. I think it's. I, don't know, it's, I just completely lost my thought. <laughs> Well, I just completely lost my thought. I just, oh no. Well, then we'll take it at that time then for a little. Picks of the week, and of course, that's the Shazbaz bringing us comic book shop. Um, how about this, Kylan? Why don't you go first? Cool. I am going to kick it off with Totally Awesome Hulk number twelve. Uh, the writer is Greg Pack, and the penciler is Michael Del Mundo. Is a Civil War two tie-in. Wakanda Hulkbuster is that? Black Panther brings out the heavy artillery to take on Amadeus Cho, the Totally Awesome Hulk. When diplomacy fails two of the smartest guys on the planet, this would just have to do. And I love that cover because yeah. it looks like the Hulk is fighting Ravage from the Transformers. It really does. Yeah. Well, I'm going to go second. Uh, I'm going to go with a... And I almost have a pattern with my books here this week. Um, Guardians of the Galaxy number 14. Uh, writer is Brian Michael Bendis. Pencilers, Kevin McGuire. Spiders in space. Wait. <laughs> let me, let me redo this right. Spiders in space. A flashback, a flashback from Flash Thompson's early days as a Guardian, co-starring Spider-Man. Will Venom endanger his new team to save his old friend? Find out why Spidey's one of the reasons Rocket hates Earth. <laughs> Rocket hates Earth? Yeah. Too apparently. many raccoons on it. <laughs> okay, well, then I guess it's my turn. Um, my first pick of the week is a number one. It is Ghost Rider number one, written by Felipe Smith, uh, penciled by Danilo Bayruth and Trad Moore. Robbie Reyes is back. It's hell on wheels as the spirit of vengeance makes his roaring return. A mysterious aspects from <laughs> a mysterious object, not an aspect, <laughs> uh, from space crash lands in Southern California, drawing some of the brightest minds in the Marvel Universe to Ghost Rider's backyard, including Amadeus Cho, the totally awesome Hulk. What mayhem? Well, he will be unleashed as the high octane hothead comes face to face with the Jade Genius. I like that Jade Genius. Uh, and with Robbie still possessed by the ghost of his evil Uncle Eli, well, who's really in the driver's seat? Then meet the newest speed trap in Ghost Rider's life as his original creators, Felipe Smith and Trad Moore, reunite for a special backup story and the debut of an all-new villain. Strap in and start your engines, true believer. This one's gonna be a scorcher. <laughs> I still say I, I'm not a... I don't like the car. I've said yes. it before. I'll say it again. I'm not a big fan of the car, except when he's standing on top of the hood and it's driving by itself. Yeah. Then it's kind of like an infernal night rider. And that part is cool. I, I, but I, I, I like I the character. That. I like the character. Uh, now, do you like the character as here as they're portrayed in the book or is it, or is do you like the one that's portrayed on TV or are they one in the same? There are differences 
because, well, for the for instance, the one on TV is not possessed by the evil uncle. Okay. Right. Maybe because the evil uncle is alive and kicking. Okay. Um, I like the concept in the book. Now, I will like, I do say, I like the character on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Now, I really like his character. He made a deal with the devil to protect his brother. Now, in the book, Ghost Rider has the Grit 2000 Ghost Rider Industries. You are having way too much fun with that synthesizer. But but it works so the well. One, the, uh, <laughs> yeah, hold on to that dream, bud. Uh, we've got <laughs> in the books... I like the concept. I like the concept. Right. And like I've said this before on the show, it's like it's almost like a Bill Bixby Hulk kind of thing. The struggle is I'm a good guy. I've got a monster inside. Me. Yeah. yeah. And the and the struggle to keep the monster contained. Right. I love that. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's not like a spirit of vengeance saying it, it's with like uh, with, with Johnny Blaze and Dan Ketch. It was the demon trying to being on a mission to dispense vengeance. In this case, it's the kid trying to harness the demon for vengeance. Right. And trying to keep it under control. Right. So I like that. I like that differentiation. So I like the fact that we may be seeing the original Ghost Rider on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. after all. Yeah, yeah. So that is my pick. Cool. So uh, second picks of the week. Mm-hmm. Here we go. All right, my number two is a number eight, and that's Black Widow. The writers are Chris Samney and Mark Wade. Penciler and cover artist is Mark Wade. Oh, sorry, Chris Samney. Big difference. Chris Samney. Uh, dark Room Field Trip. Students of the Dark Room, the successor, the successor of the Red Room, are making their way into the world. One young assassin has her sights on a very high-profile target. There's no shortage of men prepared to stop her, and Black Widow will have to fight them all to save her. Okay. Well, my number two pick is Uncanny Inhumans number 16. Writer is Charles Soleil. Uh, penciler artist is R.B. Silva. Aron, a long-dead Inhuman, has returned to life, but the world is not the one she left. Or perhaps she's not the woman who left the world. As Aron tries to make sense of her new existence, shadowy forces move against Queen Medusa and wake for battles with Tony Stark in Civil War 2. Okay, well, my second pick of the week, my number two pick is a number two. It is, are you ready for this, guys? Uh Uh-oh. The Astonishing, the Fantabulous, the Great Lakes Avengers, number two. Oh. (laughs) Written by Zach Gorman, penciled by Will Robson. The Great Lakes Avengers are back together, almost, with their former leader, Mr. Immortal, still buried alive out in the middle of nowhere. The group struggles to find their footing under the uncertain guidance of Flat man. And after a confrontation with some noisy supervillain neighbors lands the entire team in jail, it's all he can do to keep them together. Awesome. Well, let's move on to our final picks of the week. Okay, cool. My final pick is Thunderbolts number seven. The writer is Jim Zub. Penciler is Sean Izakis. And the cover artist is Chris Anka. Caught red-handed starts now. Operating the shadows long enough, someone is going to shine a light on you. Bucky didn't think that person would be his best friend, Steve Rogers. Captured and separated from his team, Bucky is on his own. Where do his loyalties lie? Steve wants to know. Only Steve has secrets of his own. Plus, an original Thunderbolt returns. How will Songbird react to the reunion of her former team? Interesting. Yeah. Very interesting. Um. Well, my final pick of the week 
I said there's a pattern here. I'll let y'all see if you can figure it out. New Avengers number 18. Do we catch the pattern? 14, no. 16, 18. Ah. But I think I've picked this one before a couple times. We're almost at that stage. Kylan needs to pick it. Uh, writer is Al Ewing. <laughs> Pinsler is Carlo Barberi at the funeral of Roberto DeCosto. DeCosta. Advanced Idea Mechanics is declared officially dead. In the wake of their ultimate mission, the new Avengers reassess their lives, and one of them hangs up their costume for good. What Ooh. could possibly follow this? <laughs> and I know I have read that at least two other times. Oh, I know I've read. I know I've read the Ghost Rider one already. So you know what? We don't care nope. if Marvel decides they're going to push it back. We'll read it again. Yep. And uh, my final pick of the week is Deadpool Back in Black number four, written by Cullen Bunn, pencil by Salvador Espin. And this must have been quitting time for the intern because <laughs> all it says: Deadpool's 1980s adventure and the Venom symbiote continue. Prepare for Craven's second-to-last hunt. Okay. Well, you know, I got a little something for that, maybe. Is mm. it on that? Is it, oh, which album? Is it on that? Yes. <laughs> Little Back in Black by ACDC. That's right. There you go. Which Iron Man 2, so it can be played on an all-music special of Mighty Marvel Geeks. There you go. Along you go. with Pink Floyd, Interstellar Overdrive. <laughs> but I'm still surprised Shambhala is not there. Well, there you go. But actually, does it count, though, if it's not on the soundtrack? Mm, if it was in the movie, it counts. All right, because it's not on the soundtrack. Well, I've got the luxury of the Marvel Unlimited pick of the week, and uh, I got a good one for you guys. Okay. I wanted something a little lighthearted for um, for Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. and originally, this was a book published by Dark Horse Comics, but now that all that is under Marvel, it does appear in Marvel Unlimited, if you want to challenge me on this. Feel free. It's in Marvel Unlimited. And as I read the title, one of you guys, if you want to back me up that it is in Marvel Unlimited, feel free. No, no, I I trust you. We'll we'll trust you here. Mm -mm. Sergio Argonis stomps Star Wars. Really? Really. Sergio Argonis. And, um, of course, you would know him from... I know him originally from when he wrote under the epic title, Grew the Wanderer. Which mm-hmm. was a Marvel epic title book. And epic Sergio Aragones. Aragones. And yeah. he also does all the um, crease art in Mad Magazine. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, but Epic was the artist own mm-hmm. line from under the Marvel umbrella. Yes. Um, Sergio Argonis and Mark Evanier go to Lucasfilm where they have an appointment with Lucy Wilson about making a Star Wars comic for Dark Horse, which is what's so weird about this is they're referencing Dark Horse because Dark Horse had this at the time, and now you read it on Marvel Unlimited. Um, and, of course, Sergio is a delusioned Star Wars fan who always carries a toy lightsaber and asks Lucasfilm 
film employees about meeting characters such as R2-D2 and Jabba the Hutt. Um, while Sergio is looking at the digitizing equipment, an independent filmmaker who entered the building disguised as George Lucas sabotages the electricity while installing a bomb and causes Sergio to be transformed or transferred into Star Wars Episode Four: New Hope. <laughs> um, so it continues on from there. Uh, he arrives at Rebel Base where he's mistaken for Biggs after meeting Luke. He goes, you're prettier than the action figures and taller too. Uh, he goes to a rendezvous to a rendezvous where the Death Star attack is being arranged. Uh, Sergio is afraid and tries to escape, but his li- lifelong crush, Princess Leia Organa, convinces him otherwise. Uh, while checking the digitized movie, uh, Matt recognizes Sergio among the rebel pilots. And after Sergio's X-Wings destroyed, Matt tells the projector staff to shift to another scene before his friend dies. So the, sh- the scene shifts to Dagobah, where he's talking to Yoda. <laughs> and then before getting picked up by the Millennium Falcon, where Han and Chewie take him to Bespin. <laughs> it, it's just the craziness of this whole thing. Um, it's it, the book ends with uh, Sergio and Matt are fired from Dark Horse, um, and George Lucas is forced to beg for money in the streets. <laughs> this this is a great book. Uh, some of the behind the scenes in this book among the Lucasfilm and affiliates employees who appear are John Knoll, Rob Coleman, Scott Squires, Dennis Murin, who's uh, who are all special effects artists, Rick McCollum, uh, Howard Rofman, who's vice president at the time, and Jim. Moore who was president of Lucas Digital at the time. Um, in reference to the other movies with effects by Industrial Light and Magic, Scott Squires wears a Roger Rabbit shirt and a, and a doll of the mask is seen at the effects artist's table. A group of stormtroopers attack the saboteur in his attempt to invade Lucasfilm. Uh, Evanier mentions that when visiting Steven Spielberg, Sergio made a mountain out of mashed potatoes, a reference to Spielberg's Close Encounters of the Third Kind. And at the newsstand of the last page, a comic book starring Gru can be seen. So just some Easter eggs there for you as well. There you go. So, uh, yeah. Um, there we have it. And uh, any final thoughts? Well, tonight, the night that we're recording this is the day before Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. And so by the time that this reaches Sorcerer Radio slash the uh, podcast version, it will be after the fact. So we hope that everybody in the U.S. and anywhere else that you may be celebrating Thanksgiving, I hope that you had a very very happy one yeah i i second that and uh hope you're in your like enjoying your food coma and uh <laughs> you're getting all the marvel you, you got to listen to us geek out over dr strange and uh <laughs> maybe you can roll out and see it again yourself you know yeah um i will say this l ray network earlier this week played captain america in 19 the 1990 film oh my god so check your you gotta be kidding check your cable guide to see if it's it's airing again. Uh, then I also heard too coming to Netflix December twenty fifth. Captain America: Civil War. Yes, I heard that as well. Christmas awesome. Day. Sweet <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> Sweet Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> so um, there you have it. Um, that's pretty much it, right? Yeah, that's yeah. it. Jarvis, if you would please. All wrapped up here, sir. Will there be anything else? Nope, just time to go dark. And by the way, 
in that final end credit scene, did y'all also get the feeling that Chiwetel Ejiofor was totally channeling the operative from Serenity? Yes, exactly. Yeah. yeah. He that was that totally same, that scene. Same cold, ruthless, but with a hint of compassion. But, you know, it's like he's a true believer. Like that 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 true believer conviction that you can't question. Yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It it was... Marvel Cinematic Universe is going a whole new direction now. You know, I'm good with that. I think all those concerns they had about how they were going to handle magic completely unnecessary because they knocked it out of the park. It, it ties in well with what they're doing on S.H.I.E.L.D. It does. 